0: This one goes out to the conscious entrepreneurs here to make a difference in a big way. Welcome to the Heart, Soul, and Guts podcast. You've got the vision. You've heard the call. The world needs what you have to give, and you're ready to show up. Exactly how that's going to happen, that part's not so clear. Dreaming it and living it, two very different things. Deep breath, sister. You're in the right place. Amy Biandini is crazy about people and about business, and she's here to help you. It's time to get out of stuck and into action aligned with your soul. Are you ready? Here's Amy.
1: Technology is supposed to make our lives easier, but have you ever been so frustrated with your tech that you just wanted to throw your computer out of the window? Tim Melanson has a gift and a passion for tech. Couple that with over a decade's worth of business experience in sales, marketing and leadership, and you have a guy who can solve any type of problem you have and make you feel calm while he does it. Tim's journey as a software designer was cut short when the downturn in the tech sector forced thousands of highly educated people out of work. It was during the downturn that Tim turned to entrepreneurship as a backup plan. After about five years of building his business on the side, he finally took the plunge and he's never looked back. Today... Tim pursues his passion of being a real life rock star, playing music several nights a week in his hometown. He also combines his tech and communication skills to help entrepreneurs build content marketing websites. And he also hosts a work at home rock star podcast where he interviews successful home business owners. Tim, hello. It's so good to have you here.
2: Thanks for having me as well, Amy.
1: <laughs> You're so welcome. Well why don't we dive right in and get started? Can I go ahead and give me the cliff Notes version of your life? What are the highlights? <laughs>
2: the highlights oh uh, wow. Well. <laughs> i have a background in high tech i have a degree in computer science and i started working for a large high tech company here in canada and right when i graduated that whole bubble started to bust it was right around the end of 2000 and What happened is that that kind of forced me to start looking at different options. Mm -hmm. And I got interested in just starting something on the side, just really to have a backup plan. And I got quite interested in online business and marketing and home business and network marketing. Mm -hmm. And through that experience, I was able to build a fairly large organization that – ended up floating me for quite a few years to allow me to spend a little bit more time with the things that I like to do, which is music and and also helping other people to get their own home businesses started, which is what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. It is. That's the quickest version I can give you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was actually quite impressed. I was very impressed. That was very short and succinct. I love it. So have you always been kind of
2: entrepreneurial minded? I have. I mean, it's kind of bizarre because, you know, I grew up in a family where I was taught, to just, you know, go find a job with the biggest company you can find and go from there. But I've always had this, I don't know, this entrepreneurial streak. I mean, even when I was first getting started with music, I ran my band as a business. I, I claimed <laughs> the expenses and claimed the income and I ran it like a traditional business. So mm-hmm. I think I always had that streak in me and I always knew that I wanted to accomplish more. It wasn't until that whole dream of climbing the ladder and retiring you know, with a massive pension just kind of fell apart that I really started to think seriously about starting something on my own. So it sounds like it could have been a bit of a blessing in disguise. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If that hadn't happened, well, I'd like to think that I still would have ended up on the same path. But who knows? I mean, you know, if that had happened much, much later, it might have sent me in a different direction because, you know, as I said, I really had just graduated. And started working for this large company. And so I was fairly confident in, you know, my youth and my ability to go out there and find something different. So mm-hmm. it didn't bother me nearly as much. I, you know, I, I know my dad got laid off the day before his 35th anniversary with a company and he was just devastated by that and, mm-hmm. you know, felt like, you know, he was too old and he couldn't go find anything else. And, it, you know, I, I'm blessed that it happened so early in my life that I was able to just bounce back from that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So you're in a space where you're much more resilient. Mm-hmm. I can imagine after 35 years, that's a hell of a shock to the system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So tell me more about how you got started in your business. Tell me kind of what happened to kind of get you to that point.
2: Well, first experience with business and home business was really it was a network marketing Organization and okay. my best friend invited me out to a meeting just like everybody else does. And <laughs> I sat in that meeting and I thought to myself, Oh, this is just ridiculous. I can't, I can't even believe that this is actually working for some people. But that was kind of the thing that intrigued me the most is that I, I you know, I looked at these guys and they seemed to be very, you know, well spoken and they, they had great skill up on stage. And I knew they could sell and I knew that they had some knowledge that I needed. And for me, You know, because I was still employed with my telecommunications company, I mean, I wasn't hurting for money. It wasn't something where, you know, I needed to make some money really fast. Mm -hmm. I was willing to spend a bunch of money to learn what these guys already knew. And so my first experience was really just looking at these guys and going, okay, they have something that I want to learn and they're willing to teach it to me. And all I have to do is join their program and go to their meetings. (laughs) I'm like, I'm in, let's do this. (laughs) What do they have that you wanted to learn? Well, I know that one thing that I did know about being an entrepreneur, because I did have some other very close friends that had their own businesses. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I did know is that You know, a lot of times some people will decide that they want to start a business doing something that they love to do. But the reality is that once you start that business, you spend less time doing that thing and more time, you know, selling that thing and, you know, managing the business and doing all the parts, doing the accounting, you know, all the other stuff, doing the hiring, you know, all the things that aren't actually the thing that you want to do. And that's what I wanted to learn. I thought that this would be a great opportunity to learn how to sell. And because, I mean, I was a cubicle guy. I was definitely not a salesperson, that's for sure. So, you know, spending most of my time holed up in a cubicle was not giving me what I needed to learn in order to be able to meet people and create relationships and lead organizations and, you know, just think out of the box and take more risks. All these things were not part of my vocabulary you know, as a computer scientist. (laughs) So those were the things that I really wanted to get out of these guys. And I figured that if they were willing to teach it to me for, well, basically for free, all I had to do was just buy their stuff. Then, you know, that's what I was going to do. And what did you do with all that knowledge? Well, it took me... About five years and it was I, – like I said, I, I was never – I never really expected to make a bunch of money doing that kind of business. But I spent about a year in that first company. Then we switched to another company, my friends and I. And you know, I ran that for a little bit as well. I did some online marketing. I learned cold calling. You know, we bought leads. You know All these things that I got out of that. And then what ended up happening is that just through all these connections and all these, yeah, connections, really, it's, it was all about the network, really. I had met a bunch of people that were also entrepreneurial. And then, oh, it was six years ago, actually now, I think six years as of next month, that I was introduced to a company that was moving its way into Canada. One of my best friends would actually got a call from the owner of the company to be able to launch it. And it just hit us at the right time where we kind of knew – enough to know that we could really take a run at this (laughs) but not as much that we were already turned off by it I guess because you know we didn't know how much work it was going to actually be Mm -hmm. until we actually started to do it but it really did just hit us at the right time and we used all that knowledge that we had and we went out there and we built a company and you know it's still moving today
1: beautiful so how did you get from there to here and what you're doing now
2: well, once I got my business up and running and it was starting to generate some decent side income, turned out to be kind of full-time income, but, but enough income that I was able to have more choices and I didn't have to work a uh, job anymore. Mm-hmm. What happened is I decided to move back to my hometown, which is in the east coast of Canada. It's a very, it's a, it's a much smaller city. I, you know, the city that I was living in before was over a million people and now I'm hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. And so when I got here, it was a bit of a shock. <laughs> And really, that same business that I was running was a much, much more difficult to run in a much smaller area. And so it really, again, started to force my hand to look at different options. And one thing that really stuck out was that I had, you know, all this tech skill, all this tech knowledge that I had learned over the years that allowed me to be able to really understand technology like most people can't. I mean, you give me a technology problem to fix, and I can fix it. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. there's yet to be a, something that stumps me. You know, I, I will. I've just got that tenacity to figure it out. And then you've got ten years worth of people skills <laughs> and you know sales and business. And between those two things, I thought to myself, you know what? This could actually help a lot of people. And Rather than focusing on my small city, and my small town, what if I were to build something where I can start to attract people from around the world, just over the internet? Mm-hmm. And really, that's kind of the entry into this. It was one of the people that I met on Facebook that I went for coffee with, who needed a website because he was building a podcast, and I built his site. He referred me to more people, and then it just snowballed from there. And next thing you know, you know, I've got you know clients that are. Actually, you know, all over the world now. (laughs) So it's really interesting how it it all happened. And now what I think is even more powerful is that now what I can do is I can just – because it's so fresh in my mind, I can take sort of the steps that I took, things that I wanted to learn and, you know, the actions that I took and then help other people to do exactly what I did so that they can take whatever it is that they're passionate about and start to turn that into a business Because I think that right now, you know, being tied down to a job, I don't know if it's the same over where you are, but it seems to me that, you know, a lot of jobs, traditional jobs are starting to disappear in favor of contracts and different types of technology. So I'm thinking that in this day and age, you know, trying to be self-employed is probably a good time to do that.
1: Absolutely. It is a mindset shift switch though from working kind of in a cubicle to working for yourself. Yeah,
2: exactly. And I know that I went through it. So I know what it's like to be on the other side of that. And Mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, if you've been there, then you can usually lead someone else to where you are.
1: (laughs) Indeed. What do you think was the biggest kind of mindset shift that you had to make or that you made?
2: I think the biggest shift for me, you know, is that done is better than perfect. And so in the work world, in the job world, you get paid for what you already know. And so you've got to be fairly perfect at what you're delivering. Otherwise, why are they paying you in the first place? Whereas in the entrepreneurial world, you get paid more for your potential. And so really, In the entrepreneurial world, it's better to just get something out there and start to improve it as time goes on rather than wait till it's perfect before you launch it.
1: Indeed it is.
2: That's quite a big shift, though, to make. It is a huge shift. And that's just because we've been sort of conditioned through our schooling to, you know, draw within the lines (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, stay inside the box, you know. But with entrepreneurialism, there is no box.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There is indeed no box. So how do you help your clients kind of make that shift or they already made that shift when they come to you?
2: Yeah, like I think there's a sort of two sides to that. I think really the reality of it is that they're not talking to me unless they've already at least started to make that shift. Okay. Because, you know, why are they even entertaining the idea? You know, if they're still in the box, they're still in the box. They can't even think of what would be outside of the box. They're starting to peek outside that box and they're starting to think, oh, you know what? Maybe there's something else out there. They've already started to make that shift. So now it's a matter of them being ready to start to take some steps. And I think with any venture, really, the idea really would be to find someone who's got what you want and then just follow what they've done. And so... I think for me and for probably most coaches, it's just a matter of giving small tasks to accomplish. And if you accomplish that task, then you move on to the next task. And some of the first things that I think people need to do is start to get some education, start to get some different kind of knowledge of, you know, what it means to be an entrepreneur. Or maybe I think we live in a generation where the internet is a really easy way to get the information that you need. You know, you can easily go on YouTube. And learn about just about anything you want to learn about. So it's not that there's a lack of knowledge out there. I don't even have to really provide that course material for them. I know that they can go get it themselves. Really, it's just a matter of giving them the hope and the inspiration that, yes, you have something that you want to provide the world right now. You can do that. You just need to learn how to do that and follow someone who's already done it. That
1: makes sense. That makes sense. Tell me about how you view sales in the online world for entrepreneurs. It's busy and it's noisy out there.
2: Yeah. The analogy I always give for people who are starting a business, especially online, is that think about it like a brick and mortar business, like a traditional business. If you were to open a store, opening a store on the internet is like opening a store in the middle of Antarctica. You, okay. you, know, you, you get this... This that sounds beautiful sto- Well, it, it, it's got this beautiful store and mm-hmm. nobody knows where to find it. Yes. There's no traffic anywhere nearby. I mean, you've got this beautiful store and you're just standing on the doorstep going like, where are all the people? That's what it's like starting an online business today. The difference is that now there's a big strip mall and the strip mall, we'll call it social media. We'll call it Facebook for now. Mm-hmm. And now what is happening is that people have realized that, oh, well. I'm not going to open my mall, my store in the middle of Antarctica. I'm going to open it on the strip mall right now. But you know what? It's the same thing. Now you're just one of a bunch of stores on a strip mall. And really, it's just chance if someone walks in. Mm -hmm. However, if this was a real brick and mortar business and you just open that store on that strip, well, there's lots of traffic going by. They're just not walking into your store. Mm -hmm. So how do you intercept the traffic that's going by? You might, I mean, if you were uh, I don't know, if you were selling fried chicken, you might send somebody out front with samples giving out samples of fried chicken. Maybe you even dress them in a chicken suit. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you would do. And then once they taste that chicken, they're like, Wow, this is really good. Okay, well, come on into my store and go take a look, and now you've got them into the store and now you can offer them some other Well, think about the same type of concept with social media. The idea is that you've got to provide something. You've got to provide something of value for free in order for people to even take a look at you. Once they come into your store, now you can start to upsell them into different things. So the first thing that I would teach someone who wants to start a business online is figure out what it is, what your content is going to be that you're going to be providing out there regularly for free a podcast is a great idea. A blog is a great idea. What else is a great idea? Even memes, even those pictures that have the inspirational sayings, it doesn't really matter what it is, as long as it's regular and it's going out, it's something that you can post onto your Facebook so that they can look at that and go, oh, wow, this is really cool. And what you're doing there is you're creating a relationship with that prospect. And What we know from sales is that people do business with people that they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. And so the way that you're creating that know, like, and trust is by providing something of value to them on a regular basis that they can start to associate with your name and think, wow, this is the person that I'm going to go to for X. And then – once you've got them onto your list, once you've got them regularly reading, now you're in a position to start to upsell them to a bigger package. Maybe now they trust you. They know that you're the person to go to for, I don't know, for starting a you know a web business or whatever it is. And because you're posting regular content tips on how to do that. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is that maybe one day you'll say, Hey, you know, sign up for my course or whatever and get a free X. Mm-hmm now you've already created the no like, and trust. So it's like you've already gotten the guy out there that's tried your chicken. They know it tastes pretty good. So now you're offering them a deal to come in the door and buy today. And that's really the first step is really just figure out who it is that you want to serve and then figure out what content they want to see on a regular basis that you can provide on a regular basis for free in order to create a relationship to move them to the next level. So it sounds like there's an element of niching in there. There has to be an element of niching in there because mm-hmm. really the idea would be that if you're trying to be everything to everybody, they're not a specialist in anything. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a specialist in anything, then people don't trust you. Mm-hmm. So that's where the niching comes in is by figuring out who it is that you serve specifically and what that big thing that you have. Because, you know, if you're living in a small town and you're a specialist at making swords. How many people need that sword in your small town? <laughs> However, this is the internet and you're probably not even creating a physical sword. You're probably creating a online you know, digital product which can be delivered to anybody anywhere. So now your small market of you know, just 0.1% is now 0.1% of the globe Mm -hmm. which is a huge number. It is. (laughs) So that's why niching doesn't hurt as much as you think it might. I mean, you might think to yourself, oh, I can help this person and this person and this person and this person. You know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to block them out because I'm focusing on this person right now. Don't worry about blocking them out. If they come to you, you can still serve them. But the idea is really just hone in your message on the specific target market that you feel that you can serve to the best of, of your ability.
1: Do you have any tips on how to do that? Because I do think that for coaches particularly,
2: that's one of the biggest things they struggle with because they want to help everybody. The best way to find your niche is really to first look at a strategic side of it, which is basically, do they have the money to be able to afford whatever it is that you are going to be providing? If you want to make a living out of it, then you have to find people that can actually afford it. So Mm -hmm. the first thing that you, you could do or you would do is you would figure out who that ideal client is. So, you know, do they have the money? You know, are they someone that you actually even want to work with? Maybe you want to work mainly with men or mainly with women or mainly with parents or mainly with single people. Whatever it is that you want to work with, figure that out. And then the next part really is to think about that person, really visualize that person. And think about when they're in bed at night and what's that one question That's keeping them awake. So what's that one thing that they're thinking to themselves? Oh, boy, I wish I could just fix this. Mm -hmm. And really, it becomes very easy when you do that, because now that question is your marketing platform. It is, do you want to fix this? (laughs) (laughs) Got it. And now it's just a matter of getting that plastered out into your social media and now what happens is that that person, that ideal client that you already know and you know that that's the question that's keeping them up at night, they're going to see that fly by their social media and you're going to be offering them free advice on little steps that they can take in order to start to improve that. And if they see that improvement happening, well then the next logical step for them to do would be to contact you to see what they could do to make it better.
1: Yeah, I follow the logic, that makes sense. But I have a question. Mm-hmm. going back to the idea of the strip mall and, you know, sending out people with chicken to taste this what happens if you're surrounded by other people who are sending out people with chicken to
2: taste? If you were, okay, so if you're in a market where there's a lot of other competition mm-hmm. Yes There's two things there. Number one why are you choosing that market? Because that might be a problem in the first place You probably don't want to jump into a market that is already saturated Okay. Second thing is that if that market is too big and there's too too many other people selling chicken, then you could niche down further. So you could find a specific person that you want to sell chicken to and you can market directly to them. So for kids' birthday parties, we are the chicken provider. (laughs) And so what you do is now you, you specialize in that particular niche of people for that particular product that you have. And then the third thing really is that, like we talked about earlier, people do business with people that they know, like, and trust. So rather than, you know, what happens then is that your ability to brand yourself properly and to properly put yourself in a a light that is favorable for your target market, is going to be key to that.
1: Makes sense. You niche down too far, do you think?
2: No, not at all. I don't think it's possible as you can go as long as there's one client there, then there's somebody that you can serve and you can help and you can build a testimonial out of. If you need to move back up the line and choose a different niche because you find that it's just not your perfect market, then that's totally fine. Because as we know, as entrepreneurs, we do have to look at our business and strategize and change direction from time to time. Mm -hmm. But really going down as small as you possibly can and then moving back from there is the best way to do it. Never stop short because you think, oh, well, this next step is probably too small. It's not probably too small. It's probably just perfect. However, if it is too small, you'll find that out really quickly and you can move back up that one direction. But never stop before you get too small.
1: I love that. I don't think I've ever heard it quite explained like that, but it makes complete sense. Because I think there is this fear that A, everyone's doing the same thing because, you know, everyone's on facebook or it feels like everyone's on facebook mm-hmm. and i think the other theory is that you can niche down too much and there'll be no there'll be no market
0: mm.
2: but
1: as you nope. said you'll, you'll find that out
2: you'll find that out yeah and you're better to be an expert at something that is clear than to be too broad
1: mm. i think a lot of people get tripped up in being too broad i agree which is a shame because there's a lot of amazing people out there who have got great stuff to share absolutely mm. Tell me how you balance being a successful entrepreneur with the rest of your life.
2: (laughs) Balance. (laughs) I I heard a really great quote once. Balance is spinning a bunch of plates and just not letting any of them fall. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds exhausting. (laughs) It is (laughs) exhausting. I don't know if there's really a such thing. But what I do is I like to keep things related to each other. So, for example, the things that I love to do and the things that I value – I try to find ways for it to fit in with my business. So for example, I love music, so I play music. (laughs) Now, how does that help me? Well, that helps me to get my name out there. It helps me with my branding and my marketing. Okay. I also love to keep fit and keep healthy. So what I do is I have a business, actually that was a network marketing business, that allows me to set regular health goals and stay accountable to those goals which is something that I've been able to monetize as well. When it comes to my gift zone, you know, technology is one of my gift zones. So this is something that I've created a business out of that works together with everything else that I'm doing right now. So I think that really the best way to balance is to just find ways that your life can intersect with your business. The next part of it though would be you do have certain family obligations. There are things that will pop up in your life that you need to take care of. So there's two things there. Scheduling is going to become really important. So mm-hmm. make sure that you have a good calendar. Make sure you have a good scheduling system so that you can see everything that you have to do in that particular day and you don't let priorities drop. The next part of it is establishing your priorities properly. I think that if you really took an honest look at the time that you spend doing the things that you're doing, if you really, like, I mean, if you took a piece of paper... And you wrote down for every half hour in the day, and you did this for a week. If you wrote down what you actually did during those half hours increments over the next week, I think you'd be really surprised about how much time you waste doing things that aren't even important. And that is probably the major problem is that it's not that you don't have the time and you don't, you know, you're neglecting something here and something there because of something else important that's happening. That's probably not it. It's probably that you're wasting time doing things that aren't important, and that's creating time crunches where now you're missing your kid's recital because you have to finish a work thing that could have been done last week, but you didn't do it last week because you were too busy watching some TV. (laughs) That rings all too true. I would imagine that there's probably more than one person in that. So really when it comes down to balance, okay, I I can understand that you might be in a situation where balance is an issue, but it probably isn't right now. And I think that taking an exercise like that, taking a real look and even just doing that exercise for a week and spending some time with a notebook next to you and really log what you're doing. And if you're watching TV, write it down, watch TV. You know, if you're procrastinating, you know, just surfing on Facebook, write it down, write it down, write down everything you're doing. And then look at that over the next week and say, okay, you know, am I really out of balance here or am I really just prioritizing things incorrectly?
1: As a family
2: new business owner, what are the things that we should be prioritizing? As a new business owner, you've got to prioritize finding people to talk to. It's all about prospecting. And the way you can do that is one of two ways. You can either focus on the online method, which we've just talked about, Mm -hmm. which is mainly just finding your niche. And I would suggest really finding a coach to find your niche, find a coach to figure out what your message is and your branding, all that stuff. You're going to need somebody's help to guide you in that direction. Mm -hmm. If that's the online side, you're going to do If it's an offline business, if it's a brick and mortar business, it's just going to be a matter of trying to find out as many opportunities to get out there and network as possible. You know, networking meetings, go visit your chamber of commerce. There's lots of ways that you can get out there and meet other people. There's no way you're getting your business off the ground or definitely no way that you're keeping it going after a couple weeks if you don't have new people to talk to. Very true. Oh, and one other thing. Mm -hmm. I heard this a long time ago. It's that most people start to build their network when they need the network, which means that you have an ulterior motive. Really the key is to build the network before you need the network. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that if you're thinking, I want to start a new business, I've got about six months of work to do to find my niche and to get my website up and running. You know, I've got to contact Amy to get my branding message figured out. I've got to contact Tim to get my website done. (laughs) (laughs) All those things are going to have to happen over the next six months to a year. Well, right now is the time to get your LinkedIn account set up, to get your Facebook account set up, and to start providing some regular content. It doesn't even have to be really related to your business right now, although that would be hugely beneficial, but it's just a matter of starting to build that network right now so that once your business launches, you've already got it built because people can sense that when you need them. So if you start to build that network right now before you need it, then you're going to be in a much better position to be able to capitalize on that network once you need it. Mm-hmm. It sounds
1: like there's a lot in there in terms of taking a very strategic approach.
2: I like strategy myself. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was getting that, yeah. <laughs> and I think that can often be one of the things that it's stumbling block. Mm-hmm. I mean, entrepreneurs, they get very excited, they start a new business, and they just keep doing more stuff. And I think there's, they don't necessarily pull back to so. Take a strategic view, the longer term you get very caught up in the here and now. So I think strategy is a
2: good way forward. Yeah, and getting a coach can help with that as well, because then you have somebody that's keeping you accountable.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think part of that falls into this instant gratification culture that we live in.
0: Mm-hmm. They,
1: want, they want everything right now.
2: And it takes time. Well, and that's part of the mindset shift between an entrepreneur and a... Employee because an employee is quick gratification it's you put in your two weeks you get paid you put in your two weeks you get paid you put in your two weeks you get paid you know in entrepreneurship you put in your two weeks you get nothing you put in another two weeks you get nothing you put in another two weeks you make ten bucks you put in another <laughs> two weeks right and yeah. so it's a matter of you build now in order to benefit from it later. I think it's the difference between you know going out hunting for your food and developing a farm. You know, you build that farm, you might spend a lot of time working on that farm before you get a chance to harvest it. But once you do, you've got enough food for the town. Mm -hmm. The patience and resilience. If you could go back, just wave a magic
1: wand when you're just getting started in business, what do you wish you could tell yourself?
2: Huh, That's a good question. Because I'd like to say, don't be afraid to fail. But boy, have I ever done that (laughs) plenty. (laughs) If I could go back to an earlier time and give myself some advice, What I would say to myself is not to try to be everything to everybody and just to pick exactly who you want to help and go help that person rather than trying to please everybody all at once. Because the reality of it is that nobody can please everybody all at once. There's always going to be a critic. And the more fans you have, the more critics you have. And so if you spend most of your time worrying about the complaints that are coming in, then you are not spending time with the people that are actually benefiting from what it is that you're offering. So I would definitely tell myself to just don't worry about the people that are not right for your business. Focus on the people who are. That's good
1: advice. I wonder if you would listen to yourself.
2: I would think, I hope I would.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> but who knows? Indeed, indeed. Do you have a particular quote or phrase that you live by in your business or in your life in general?
2: You missed 100% of the shots you never take. That's by Wayne Gretzky. Mm, that's so good. Most insanely helpful resource that you've stumbled on? I would say the most insanely helpful resource is either a podcast, mm-hmm. just pod, just podcasts in general, mm-hmm. or Audible, which is for audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I think that that has really made a huge impact because I think that the best way to get yourself motivated to do something is to listen to other motivated people. And, you know, you may be lucky enough to be in a city or in an area where there's tons of motivated, you know, high-achieving entrepreneurs that you can go put yourself around and be working with them hand-in-hand hand and take that energy. But what if you're not? What if you're building a business from home and you've got kids at home? Well, how do you get yourself motivated when you can't put yourself around those motivated people? A great way to do it is to read a book. However, what if you don't have time to read the book? <laughs> what if you don't have the peace and quiet to read the book? What if books make you fall asleep like they do for me? <laughs> Well, putting a a great audio book or a podcast on your iPhone and then just popping it in your pocket while you clean the house or while you take your run or while you go for your bike ride or while you work out of the gym or even anything that you're doing. If you even just have it in, in your ears when you're doing your work on your computer, even if you don't specifically catch every word, you're still catching the energy. You're being around the energy. That's going to give you that extra little push to go, you know what? I need to get some work done. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. So who motivates you? I don't think anybody can motivate me. I think motivation comes from inside. Either you're motivated or you're not. I think that, I think it was Zappos. I think that the the CEO, I I can't remember exactly if this is the right uh, person. But what he said, someone asked him, How do you motivate your employees? And he said, I don't motivate my employees. I hire motivated employees. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the reality of it. There is lots of people that inspire me. You know, Tony Robbins inspires me. Even Oprah inspires me. There's lots of, of great people out there that inspire me to go out there and accomplish things. However, motivation, I think it's just, it's in you or not. And I think motivation really comes from that why. Is there something in your life that you either want or you want to avoid more than doing nothing about it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's where the motivation comes from. Makes sense.
1: So what's going on in your business that you're most excited about right now?
2: I'm most excited about the Work at Home Rockstar podcast. Because right now, what I feel is happening is that there's a lot of people that are looking for a backup plan or even a number one plan. They're starting to become disillusioned with the workforce as it is. I know, jobs being placed by technology, salaries going down, more competition, you know, less benefits. All these things are all happening all at once. And I think people need a way to transition out of that. And I think that things move a lot quicker now than they once did. I think that you know, these changes have always been happening in history. Technology has always replaced jobs mm-hmm. you know, throughout history. That's not new. What is new, I think, is the speed at which it's happening and the resistance that we have to that change. And so a lot of people are sitting in a place where if they had listened to people like me 10 years ago telling them this was going to happen, then they'd be in a much better place. But they didn't. And now they're stuck. And now they feel like they can't quit their job and start the business that they know that they can start because they have created a lifestyle that is dependent on that job. And that salary is decreasing. So at some point, they are going to be completely out of luck. So what the Work at Home Rockstar is doing, it's helping to inspire people to see other avenues and other options. What I'm working on right now is I'm working on some coaching programs that are going to allow people to funnel into the work at home or the the home business that makes sense for them. Whether they have a product or service that they want to get out there and sell already or whether they don't and they just need some knowledge and some information, I'll be able to direct them to the proper mentor that could help them to take those first steps towards starting their own home business. I think that right now that's the thing that I'm most excited about because I think it can have the most impact on the most number of people.
1: Beautiful. So now that everyone's got to know you a little bit, how can I keep
2: in touch? I am really easy to find. <laughs> I, I've been doing this marketing thing <laughs> for quite a while now. So if you just look up Tim Melanson, I'm probably sure that you could find me in Google. If you go on to Facebook, just Facebook uh, Tim Melanson, you'll find my fan pages for my music, but you'll also find my personal fan page as well. Online, timmelanson.com will direct you to, to information about my technology services. And just www.workathomerockstar.com. We'll get you to the podcast. Wonderful. Tim, thank you so much. No problem, Amy. It was a pleasure being on this. I really enjoyed this interview. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening, gorgeous. Love what you heard? Leave a review on iTunes because that helps people find the show. Then get your sweet self over to heartsoulandguts.com and join the convo. And by the way, thanks for being you because the world needs more dreamers who get stuff done.